millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. I uh, just thought I'd get another little one in uh, quickly. Oi, oi. Um, after the kind of, you know, the big, the big one of the other day with me and Raj. Um, because I've seen a lot of people, you know, there was a lot of discussion this week about podcasts. Ones that people like, ones that people don't like. And, you know... Um, there was a there was a lot of backhanded compliments. I'm not going to say. I think one in particular read, uh, "Rule the Roost." You might not be as popular as some of the other ones, but I like you. And we were like, "Yeah, all right, thanks a lot." But uh, one of the names that kept coming up was the uh, the Tottenham Way. So I thought I'll uh, I'll capitalise whilst uh, he's back in the zeitgeist and get get Tom Foynes back on. How you doing, Tom? Good, thanks, mate. I don't think I've ever been described as being part of any zeitgeist, so that's oh, very mate. exciting. You obviously haven't got your uh, finger on the pulse of the Twitter podcast chat at the moment. It's it's firing off. It's popping. We've got we've got quality filters on the the ads and <laughs> the mentions. You know, it, there's only so much that we really come across. Have you? I got... don't know if you've got that on Rule the Roost, but Probably I don't. Not. I, I I mean, Dan set it up and then he gave. Um, probably regrettably on his part gave me access to it and it just became less about kind of recycling transfer news um, and more into just launching into tirades against <laughs> our own and other players. But, um, and Simpsons memes. And Simpsons and Office memes, yeah. yeah. But um, <clears throat> it's, the I don't know if it's a follower count thing and this isn't like a humble brag, but oh, here we go. I don't know if you reach a certain... So it is but, a humble brag then, yeah? Well, maybe, yeah. yeah but yeah. you must have it on RTR pod, but the... What it gets to a certain level of followers and it just doesn't give you notifications anymore. Like it just stops giving you notifications of people replying to your stuff. So I'll sometimes, you know, like the match, so to speak, of a, a hot topic or a, um, a hot take and then leave it for an hour and then come back to it and realize that it's got like a hundred responses that I've just had no idea have happened. And then you really start to see like the, the fruits of your labor, let's say. Um, in like a snapshot rather than as they come in. It's quite interesting. I don't know if you've got the same problem. but Do, do you know what I think that actually is, Tom? Um, um, I think it's because, you know, like with Dan and with other people having access to the account, they've probably seen a load of notifications and just clicked on it. And thus you don't get like the refreshed notification thing. Oh, that's probably it. Yeah. Although it doesn't even show in the feed. It won't even show in your notifications feed. Oh, so really? there's definitely a filter of some sort. Yeah, you have to go on to the tweet itself. Just on that, actually, it's, it's something I used to find funny to talk to Dan about. But obviously, you started the Tottenham way, 
and the account was it was a news site it was like a content aggregator as a, a website and it had a few independent articles from is that, people is that back when dan was probably a tier four and not a tier two <laughs> outside the medals yeah, yeah, yeah about there um i'd love to I, actually i'm a little bit fascinated to know what the tottenham way would have been as a tier just because of how ridiculous that whole system is but um it, it was it was a it was a good sort of content site it had it obviously spawned the podcast but it was there for articles and in-depth analysis and stuff and content aggregation and from there dan always said <clears throat> excuse me like he learned how to just ignore things like responses on tweets and since he's become a journalist and he's working for the ESPN and then onto evening standard i always used to be like how do you ignore some of the absolute like degenerates in your mentions sorry about directly that. To... okay <laughs> yeah yeah no no mean no names of course but like, if you look at any journalist and you look at the responses it just must be if you took any notice of it it must just be so exhausting and it just used to be like you just don't read them but I, I, how do you not how can you not scratch that itch if you know there's a, a nutter behind that door you want to have a little peek didn't you yeah i mean speaking of that like i i, I messaged him the other day and i, I would say Dan ignoring messages doesn't just uh, span to, to Twitter. He ignores WhatsApps, everything as well. So uh, but I did. Uh, I did notice he uh, he incurred the wrath of um, some Swansea fans the other day because, and it, it it was such a Times New Roman tweet as well that he put out. <laughs> he, he he just said something like, "For anyone who's interested in seeing Roden in action." Wales are playing tonight, um, so it's a good chance for Spurs fans to know what he's all about. Right, <laughs> I can see where this is going. It was just, it was literally, it was just that, just something as harmless as that. And then I just saw it getting quote tweeted by this fella's a fucking disgrace and what, a, <laughs> <laughs> what a despicable comment. And do you know what I mean? Like, do you know, I, do you know what this? This might turn into a perfect segue for you for this podcast, but obviously we had this experience less than 10 years ago when we were digging out journalists for reporting on bail, for example, Mm. or like the minute the game finished against Sunderland on the last day of that season, we knew heart of hearts that he was going, but nonetheless, yeah. the journalist, the, the whole, um, the, the cogs were whirring in that machine and, and people were having a go. I forget the name of the guy who he wrote for the sun. And he also wrote an article earlier in the season about how all the players hated AVB's training regime. Um, and it was just before we went on and beat United three, two. And I seem to remember that was the start of the kind of the divide in the fan base of, people who were like Sherwood side, so the media buddies and people who were on AVB side, which was a bit more like heady day invest. Yeah. Investing in the future. But that, that was it, wasn't it? The journalist was seen as the kind of the enemy of clubs like us who were just trying to get on out of our daily lives and, you know, make a better life for ourselves and all that. And now we're just this big, awful uh, conglomerate company with a big new house and players that are, 
absolute worldwide superstars. We're fully, we're fully on the teat now, aren't we? Like, yeah, we're, exactly. We're suckling. But do you know what, as well? I really don't care. Like, it's kind of like for, for so long, we've been the lad that's been kind of clean eating, getting protein from natural sources, exercising, he's had a proper weights plan, all that type of stuff. And he's just kind of, he's still looking at all the other fellas around him in the gym and realising he's just not making those gains. So now he's just sticking a needle in his ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, <laughs> we're just, we're just like resigned to it now. And we're just like, yeah, go on, whatever. I want to look good on yeah. Instagram. And so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's Tottenham. Tottenham yeah. juiced. Juiced <laughs> to the max, bro. Juiced to the max. Um, yeah, uh, reporters, we've done all that. We're angry about it. We, actually, we could talk about that Roden lad because it, it, it is a transfer deadline day coming up tomorrow. Um, did you think much of him against against England? I, I'll be honest, not really. And I I think <laughs> no, no. Sorry, I don't mean that in a in a sense of there's not he's not up to much. I didn't really look out an awful lot for him. Um, I, I think it. For me, anyone who fits that bill of we're looking at talented youngsters from around the leagues, I'm, I don't think there's a single player that I would turn around and say, nah, not not interested, not worth it, unless they were over, say, 23, 24 years of age. And then you do start thinking, well, on where, what's the plan behind this? It, it's a it's a, a tactic and a, an approach that has been really fruitful for us in the past. And for that reason... I think one game or 10 games wouldn't change my kind of attitude to fair, him or fair. the idea of him. Um, also, those games, these the two Nations League games and the friendly against Wales, complete horseshit as an idea. We've got a league that is kicking off late, having had a really truncated back end of last season due to circumstances that are beyond anyone's control. Just fixtures being in place are a complete disgrace and I wouldn't have wouldn't have held it against any of those players in any of those games to be playing at maximum 30%. So I, I I kind of feel like it's not the games to judge anyone on, certainly not a youngster. But, I mean, it was fine. I mean, he lost, what, they lost 3-0. It's, it's hard to read too much into it, isn't it? But yeah. we, we need a centre-back, no doubt. But I, he's not going to be and never was going to be a guy that's going to come in and slot straight in. I don't think so, but it's it's just because it's the area where the the lightest in if you look at the squad. So no, the lads on the uh, on the athletic pod were saying earlier it looks like it's going to happen, and it might even be one of those things where we loan him back to Swansea for the season. So if that's even on the table, you'd imagine that it, you know if if it's not on the table, it'll be a case that. He'll be playing Carling Cup games or FA Cup games or something like that. But uh, mm. it, it, they they seem to think it is going to happen. But uh, yeah, he he still might be going back for for a season. And I think it's you know at the moment if we if we look at it like I think all of our centre backs now, even dear Toby, um, they've all got their sort of individual failings, really, don't they? They're all kind of like mm. th- there's there's weaknesses in all of them, but they're still of a decent enough standard. I think, you know, you look at kind of... I, I Basically, I don't look at anyone in the Premier League now and think they've got a rock-solid defence. 
Yeah, even yeah, that's Liverpool. a good point. Even Liverpool. Mm. Van Dijk's having a bit of a wobbly year thus far. And then I think all of the partners they've signed, like Matip, Joe Gomez in particular, I don't really think their ceilings are quite as high as people once thought they were. Um, Eric Dyer. Yeah, I, I, I think Dyer's all right. I think he's he's not mm. perfect, but he seems to be kind of improving. You know what you're getting with him. I don't think he's... Again, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? Like He's under the microscope, and so anything he does wrong is generally kind of blown up tenfold but I think he does all right I think probably the same for Sanchez I'm highly critical of him but he's still he's you know he's got a lot of decent kind of physical attributes Mm. technical attributes he sort of lets himself down a bit of his concentration and such but you know they're it's um on on Dyer I think he's it's almost like an inadvertent like past Dyer has had such a big influence on future Dyer without realizing it. And what I mean by that is he was so heavily linked with Mourinho's United in, I think it's 2015, according to Poch's book, it says something like how close he was to going there as their kind of new midfield enforcer. And then his form started to go a bit odd and nobody was sure are you going to be the right-sided centre-back of a three? Are you going to be our central defensive midfielder? Then he got injured and he seemed to... I mean, he must have lost like 25% of his body mass from all the operations he was having. He lost like his fucking spleen, his appendix, like seemingly half his brain as well. But <laughs> bless him. Um, but he, he, I think the scrutiny comes from the fact that Mourinho's come in and all of a sudden he's got this this Eric Dyer who... He's pretty much the same player. He's still versatile. He's never been quick. His his main attributes were how he read the game and the fact that he was a, a decent technical footballer as well. Um, and the rest of it seemed to be, certainly for Poch, was the intangible stuff. I think he loved Dyer because he didn't take any shit and he stood up for himself and he was a leader in that sort of secondary yeah. band of leaders that we have in the team. Um and so when Mourinho came in, I think it was seen as that he's fit. He didn't. It wasn't working under Poch, but nothing was working under Poch by the end. He has a position to take in that centre-back was up for grabs because Jan's legs had gone. And Mourinho is still clearly a big fan of his. So I think that spotlight, fairly or unfairly, was always going to be on him as soon as that relationship was kicked off. You know, and I think the dire Sanchez experiment is an interesting one because if you look at how badly it went against it was Sheffield United last year wasn't yeah, it when we got horrible. spanked and they were I, I honestly didn't I thought that could have been the ending of at least one of them but certainly them as a pair and I think had we got someone like Scrinia over the line it would have been really interesting to see who the casualty was because you're right they've all got these failings that that prevent them from being a, a top defender, like in the days of Jan and Toby. And the only thing holding Toby back is his age now. He, I think they've been spooked by his performance against Everton, where he got oh, absolutely uh, burned yeah, right. by Richarlison. Yeah, I, I do he, think that... He, he's suddenly taken that, but it's, it's, it's a bit depressing, isn't it? Because the club gave him that two-year contract. And I guess they sort of thought his decline would be quite steady, but he sort of had that Vertonghen dip, really, where... Overnight. Yeah, yeah. where they've suddenly mm. gone from being like, yeah, they're serviceable and they're a bit of an elder statesman to, oh, my God, 
Like, mm. what's happened? Like, it just... and he's he seems to only be given the Europa League games now. Yeah. Well, and and it's early days to be making any conclusions from it. But Dyer and Sanchez start in away at Old Trafford after a week where the squad was very much managed with that game in mind. I think tells quite a big story and it would be a huge success if if Mourinho manages to turn that into a good partnership because say at the end of last season it just looked as if they they were barely occupying the same universe let alone you know the same position together it was it was unbelievable but I think it's the one to persevere with isn't it I, I don't yeah. think Tanganga's ready and Somebody did one of those squad outliner things the other day where it sort of shows you a first 11 on a page and all the different players that could play those positions. And it suddenly dawned on me that Tanganga is is pretty much our second line of defence at the moment. If Dyer gets a, an injury or something, then Tanganga's suddenly going to be in there for when we have these busy periods. He's going to be playing two games a week. And I'm a fan of his. I think he's great. He's got a lot of development and a lot of time on his side. But... That's the one thing that thinks oh, that could really genuinely prevent us from achieving the stuff that we want to this year. As good as he is, it's that level has suddenly been dropped off from even two seasons ago. So it is a bit of a concern. And I feel as if it's the main focus of Mourinho. I think we'll be backing for a centre-back regardless of Ron, uh, Rodon or um, Skriniar in January. No matter what, I think we need one and I think he'll make sure that it happens. It's funny, isn't it? Because football seems to be really cyclical, hot take. Um, but uh, and you kind of, I don't know, you look around world football at the moment and there doesn't really seem to be a dearth of top quality centre-backs at the moment, mm. really. No, not I, at all. I, I don't particularly look at any anyone and think, you know... I mean, it was clearly Van Dyke last season, head and shoulders pretty much above everyone, but... You know, even like, you know, and I, I'll fully hold my hands up to the fact that I watched a few YouTube compilations of Scrinia when we were linked with him. But I did sort of look at him and think, when even your YouTube best bits make you look a bit dodgy, <laughs> you, do you know what I mean? Like, And he sort yeah, of yeah. seemed like that type of player whereby it's like, you look kind of cumbersome and slow, even in the sort of Serie which is I think there's a lot of like outdated ideas about the Serie A and the pace it's played at but it's definitely still a, a more measured kind of slower paced game than the Premier League is for example um, and he does seem quite just slow not particularly mobile and I don't know he just looked like he'd be the sort of player to be a bit of a VAR nightmare really um, <laughs> yeah yeah and I don't know, Rodon, he, he 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 does seem okay, doesn't he? Um like you were saying about uh, you don't you don't want to judge players off the back of international duty too harshly. I tell you what, when I when I saw Hoybier in the early stages sort of going on Harry Kane yesterday though, I was <laughs> I was fucking ready to ship the potato back to Southampton, mate. Like, I was getting the motor. Oh dear, oh dear. But uh mm. he came through unscathed, thankfully. Um, and that sets us up quite nicely for the potential for the dreamlike start of Gareth Bale alongside Son and Harry Kane, who are both in their sort of fantastic vein of form right now. 
uh, against West Ham this weekend, um, which is always a, a particularly smelly fixture. They often seem to be quite up for it. But are you uh, are you confident? Because they're in really they're actually in astonishingly good form, West Ham, and they've picked up a couple of really good results, as have we, obviously. Um, but do you think we're perhaps underestimating them going into? The- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This one? I think the crucial thing is the fact that Moyes will be back in the dugout. I think I um, I don't know. I think I've got this right, but their last two wins, which have been quite a big win over Wolves at home, 4-0, who have obviously no mugs. And I, I don't know who they beat before the international break, but they're on two wins on the spin. I think it was Leicester. Leicester away. Oh, yeah, of course it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bloody, those are two big, big results for reason for West Ham under pressure but both of them came with Moyes nowhere near the stadium <laughs> which it, it's one of those things where people can look at and go oh that's you know a bit of a coincidence but you think well no you're talking of like a smelly fixture I just think some people just have this smelly aura of kind of failure and <laughs> I'm very positive on Moyes and we make the joke that in 2012 I was very much backing him to take over from Redknapp um, which I stand by at the time. I think it could have gone, could have gone brilliantly, but now the guy stinks, doesn't he? Like if you were, if you were a West Ham player, you wouldn't get anything from him that would give you any confidence. Any, I, I just think you'd go away from a conversation from him, like a one-on-one conversation with him on the touchline or in the dressing room when he's telling you what to do, just going what. Yeah, what? yeah. It's, it's just what? it's like his his you deep know? set eyes, and he looks like the bloke who would always have like stinking coffee breath. Do you know what I mean? It uh, <laughs> just there's a there's a clip of the, his time in Spain. I think cause he was he was manager of Real Sociedad. I think it was, and he got sent off halfway for a game, and he goes and sits in the stand, and it's quite an empty stadium. He's just there in front of this family of like three or four kids and they're eating like a packet of crisps and they offer him <laughs> one I think and he just and he just it mate he just looks like a hobo but in a park and that's the vibe that he gives off it's a sort of uh, nice enough man happy to talk to him for sort of you know 30 seconds but he starts to get a little bit worried when he doesn't blink for five minutes straight and he's got his hand in your bag of quavers it's just a bit He's, he's very unsettling, I think, as a man. Um, so he's back, I think. He's served his 
uh, it's not a ban, was it? It was the fact that he had COVID. That's another thing as well. Like, just he reeks of, of <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Of infected. But of infection. Yeah, yeah, he's the man's an infection. But um, yeah, he's he's going to be back in the dugout, I think. He, he definitely turns his pants inside out, doesn't he? Like... Oh, Matt, yeah. He's got, he reckons he could get eight wears out of him, no danger. Um, inside out, but... back to front, all of it. Yeah. Unless yeah. he's skiddies. That's that's his you know, he's not he's not an animal, but you know. <laughs> he's not Allardyce. No. Um anyway, I, I he's I think he's back. I think it would be hilarious if we did spank him four nil just because he's back on the touchline. Um it would be pure narrative. But this is dangerous for Spurs. We've we've won a massive high after United. And I think trying to bottle that is very difficult when you've got twenty of your 24 players all going off on international duty, all having varying experiences, traveling, etc., all coming back, and they're trying to turn that round in a few days. It's going to be really difficult. So I, I will sympathize if the start that we make against them will be sluggish. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if it's more in line with the Everton and Newcastle performances than the United one. Um, but we'll see. We we had a busy period then. We managed the squad really well. And then against United, even before the sending off, we absolutely blew them away. So it, I think this is one of the most interesting games and probably the most interesting game of the Mourinho reign so far. Be good you has he, stick, it? Massively, yeah. Has he, has he worked out the best way to get the best out of this squad? And can he do it after a, a jarring international break for a lot of them? Um you mentioned we could have the dream lineup of Son, Kane, and Bale. Do you start Bale? No, no. Uh, you've got to think big picture on this, haven't you? It, it, the only way that I think that would be beneficial would be if crowds were in the stadiums, because I think the atmosphere would obviously already be good. It'd be a London derby. It's West Ham. We're in good form. But think of the next level that it would be if Bale started it would just be like feverish with with it how it is we've got to play it like a calculated game we don't need necessarily to play bow we've scored something like 18 goals in our last four games we don't need to start him the the players we're playing in that position are working well i thought lamella was brilliant against united for the half that he was on not just obviously all the shithousery but i think he he was playing a really good game and that he makes a perfect foil for for Kane and Son, and and Bale hasn't played in a long time, and the sort of injuries that he's getting are ones that could recur. And in the end, you've got to think of it: uh, we don't just want to play him; we're not desperate to play him necessarily. We don't want to turn him into an expensive injury flop for a year because he wasn't just a Hollywood signing. We went out and got there to sell shirts. He is still an incredible player, so why why take the risk? I'd say it's. I think there's there's something in that as well. Um, I don't know if you've watched it yet, but there's that there's that playbook, coach's playbook thing on Netflix at the moment, and there's a Mourinho episode in that, and he sort of talks a lot about sensing phases in games and reading the crowd. And he was he was uh, this was in reference to when Porto knocked United out of the Champions League. I'm pretty mm. sure it was about that, and he kind of sense that you know the united crowd had fallen into that latter part of expectation where 
they were sort of nervous, but it was more kind of like, okay, United have done this now. It's getting to the tail end of the game. And then he just suddenly told his team to just go for it. Like the last 10 minutes of the game to absolutely go for it. And yeah, Porto obviously ended up scoring the, the mm. away goal and going through. And there is that part, isn't there, where you think if you blow your beans in bringing Bale on from the very beginning... That antip- the anticipation kind of pops if it does end up being like an Everton Newcastle type game, and Bale has started, then it poses those bigger questions. Did we disrupt Son and Kane? You know the sort of almost symbiotic partnership and understanding that they've developed with one another. Did we marginalise Lucas Moura or Eric Lamella unfairly or push Stephen Bergwijn to the back of the queue? Blah, 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 blah. All these various different things. Did Spurs lose their way by focusing on the superstar? That kind of thing. Whereas if we kind of go in with a very similar lineup to the one that we did with United and find that we are in that Newcastle or Everton type situation, it's quite nice to think that on 75 minutes now you can be like, right, let's yeah. fucking chuck Bale on now. Do you know what mm. I mean? To make that, yeah. to make the difference. And Without a crowd being there, it's the kind of time where you think like, you know, we've we've I think we've all kind of had a little Tommy Tommy Tank over that training <laughs> footage of him the other day. Um, just kind of like coolly slotting balls into the corners and banging them past Joe Hart. Um the thought of him sort of doing that, getting lining one up just outside the box and just sweeping it into the top corner. Yeah, he's back. But the know. funny thing is, talking of Toby there and how I think we could probably all say that we've the version of Toby we have in our heads, and a lot of fans have in our heads is the Toby of two, three years ago yeah. when he was just just literally perfect. Like I don't, I think there was that season he didn't get booked like for a whole year because he was playing a perfect game in his position, and it's why it's quite stark to see him as he is now. With Bale, it's I think there's an interesting are we what player are we getting back? Yeah. And I think we all know that he's still absolute class because he's still playing at a really high level for Wales, for example. He, you watch him and he's you can tell that he's turned into the kind of monster that he needed to go to Real Madrid to become. But he hasn't played club football for a while, not not regularly. He hasn't been fit. And it's it's just wondering what player we're gonna get and how how do Kane and Son in their very specific roles that they have for us right now, how does Bale fit around that? It's not that he's not used to it. I mean he's played with like Benzema and Ronaldo for six years or something. So it's not like it's gonna be a problem for it. I I just find it really fascinating and I just wonder if the right way to go about that is throwing them all on at the same time straight away the minute they're all fit or if you do need to look at it and think what can you bring to us who are you going to connect with on that right wing for example is Serge Aurier or Doherty going to be the right player for you do we need Sissoko to be in that midfield to cover for the fact that that right hand side is now really attacking because you think of the players that he's used so far Mora and Lamella they do put that graft in and Mourinho likes that and they it's not to say that you 
you know, you pick Mora or Lamella over Bale if everyone's fit and firing. It's, it's, of course you don't. You pick your best players, but they do serve a purpose out there and they do put the work in to allow our right side of that um, of our team to attack more. And we've seen it millions of times. We like our right back to be pushed up right, you know, with the attackers. And does Bale complement that? It's a good point. It, I hadn't really thought of it that way. It's, it's, a, it's a strange one, but I think that's what why United the United game cheered me more because it didn't feel as if it was the same team that we put out against Everton and Newcastle suddenly clicking. We had players in there that you could have looked at and thought, mm, in the summer, you might not be here anymore, mate. Like Sissoko would be one, Aurier would be one, and Dombele would be one, Lamella would definitely be one. Those are players that need to earn their place in the squad. And against United, you would argue that they were some of the best players that we had. They Maybe not Sissoko, but Lamella was excellent first half and Ndombele was, in, was, was brilliant. And I'm very much ready to row back on all my comments about him, which last season I stand by, but, you know, fair play to him. He's, he's been incredible. And Aurier against Chelsea, against Chelsea, he was brilliant. And against United, he was brilliant. He has done himself no harm it's whatsoever. nothing like having a bit of competition to make a play. Exactly, exactly. Though, and that's what makes you think about Lamella and Mora as well. They, they were, I don't think either of them are kind of good enough to give each other competition, if you know what I mean. I think they're so different that they don't really give each other competition in that sense. But now you mentioned Bergwijn as well. They've got a they've got to work to get games. There's plenty of games to go around. But if you aren't showing why you should be playing, when we do come up against FC whoever in in the Europa League, your place is going to Bale, Lamella, or Mora, and you, so you've got to show it. And I think that's what's the most pleasing part of this, and why. Just to, sorry to round back into your point about Bale. I think. Bale doesn't need to earn his place in any team in in anywhere in the world. He he walks into any side still. But I think that we've got grounds to say we don't desperately need him to start against West Ham. I, I think we've got enough of a foundation to build on for this. And also it would build a lot of trust if those players knew that they played well so they play the next game. That's a good message to send. It's never a bad thing. It's funny, isn't it? it I, I think it's probably uh, a teething process that we're still going through as Spurs fans, a lot of us at least, anywhere of a sort of particular age, where we've seen Spurs be just, let's be honest, a pretty shambolic club who would have one or two good players who, as soon as they are fit, you know, be it Berbatov or be it Aginola or somebody like that, if they're 70% fit, they're playing because mm. the alternative is you know, mm. not even worth talking about. Yeah. Um, but now, actually seeing kind of Spurs, we've got all the makings of being a so-called big club, um, and as many rival fans will revel in telling us, not the silverware of it yet. Um, but still... We do have the makings of a big club, and as we've always seen down the years, it would be always one of those things I I would find strange, like you know, watching a team like United, for example, and thinking like, why the fuck are they starting Anderson today when they've got? I, d I can't really think of another player, but do you know what I mean? You like you you'd always think, why are they starting John O'Shea, or why is this sort of random squad team? member playing when they've got 
somebody else who's miles better and it's kind of starting to like not look at it in this FIFA ultimate team way of like <laughs> what's going to give us the best kind of thing every single game it's more about like we have a massive squad now we play loads of games every season and it's just good to think of as more of a squad as opposed to a starting 11 i think it's shifting that mentality of you know of of being able to and especially for a manager like Mourinho who as I was talking about with Raji the other day like who doesn't really have this ethos like somebody like Pochettino had of like you know this is who we are this is characteristic of my Tottenham team Jose Mourinho who seems to take things in a very kind of bit by bit fashion so in so much as like I think he kind of manages games and manages situations within games and he will kind of custom make a starting lineup to fit that. Um, so I, I, yeah. I don't really feel like we actually probably should view Spurs as a team that has a strongest 11 anymore. Sure, I mean, you know, we make a, a cup final or, you know, a clutch game, for want of a better word, like that. And we have everybody, you know, fit and ready to go. Then, yeah, of course, you pick a, a so-called strongest eleven. But when you talk about this nature of like how the league is, and you're scrolling through game after game, Europa League games, cup games, as well thrown into the mix, this idea of like having a squad there available to us is something that I guess we probably need to come to terms with and. Bale is probably part of that, and I mean, yeah, there's there's every chance. I don't think this is some going to be some big like gotcha moment. There's every chance that Gareth Bale does just start because he is <laughs> literally a superstar, and you know, I, I I personally hold hope, and you know, I am trying to use my head as much as I can as opposed to my heart, but it it probably is ultimately biased through my own kind of desires and everything like that but still I there's just that part of me that thinks you know what I I think with this bail deal and with him coming to Spurs this is going to be totally one of those things almost like we're kind of seeing with Mourinho now where there's been so much really if the if we're talking about the balance of it I think there's been so much negative discussion about bail and I don't mean that from you I mean it like the football writing public at large and people just commenting on it where pearl clutching yeah where it veers towards like there's that kind of like nervous careful takes of spurs fans of being like look i'm just happy to have him back and if he can get anywhere close to and then you've got other people who are like nah he's over the hill he hasn't played enough and really in the back of my mind i'm like this guy's 31 he's younger than Aubameyang yeah he's had some injuries and whatever I don't even need to compare him to Aubameyang I just like doing that because I fucking hate <laughs> Arsenal and good me um but he uh he, you know he's he's 31 and let's be honest yeah okay he's had some injuries and whatever but look at him like he's the the man is half horse do you know what I mean like he's <laughs> he's literally such a physical specimen and he is going to have a point to prove. And I think mm. it is going to be one of those things that he's going to come back and 
He's just going to be spectacular. And people are going to say, of course that happened. It's Gareth fucking Bale. Like, <laughs> he's... he's, And I don't, I don't think I'm overstating this at all, really, to say that he's literally one of the best players ever of all time. Like, after he's retired, I think people are going to look back on him and say, yeah, he, he was one of the best players of all time. Yeah, it's funny to think that there is a narrative out there that Real Madrid undervalued him, but in turn, it's made fans undervalue him massively. It's made people's perception of his time in Madrid. And also, maybe partly because of he's moved back to Spurs, that maybe hasn't helped that cause um, for, for whatever we we feel about our club. But from the outside, even Real Madrid fans, they'd be looking at it thinking, well, hold on, he's gone back to a team who isn't... a a European heavyweight. Um, okay, we're different in a different place to where we are when he left us. But all of those things could point to the fact that he's he maybe isn't quite up there anymore. But yeah, I agree. I, I think United sat on a decision on him for that people talk about the summer. I think they've had a bid ready for him for at least two years. Yeah. And ready to bring him back to the Premier League. And as they do with everything, they can't get it over the line because they just don't seem to be able to do those sort of deals anymore. But the thing I thing that I find really interesting with Bell is the you know the whole the meme thing of the the flag that they held up that was Wales Golf Real Madrid. <laughs> and it was like the, the order of his priorities. If you replace Real Madrid with Tottenham in that, I still think that we get a massively good deal out of this because the whole Wales thing, if his move is motivated by wanting to be fit for Euro 21, so he's seen this as circumstances, i.e. COVID hit, it postponed Euro 2020, he wasn't playing a lot of football for Real Madrid, and this was his chance to get out of there and play for a club that he knew he would get 80% of the minutes that were available to him if he was fit. There is a romantic element to it, all this, I think his agent has been a little bit too keen to be talking about how much he loves Spurs and how he's always looked out for him and stuff. Bale's been on record before as saying he doesn't really watch football. I can't really imagine he's as in love as his agent and partly Bale would kind of lead you to believe. So if we get the end of the deal that is him motivated to get fit for Euro 21, he's he doesn't have the constant scrutiny that Real Madrid and... Lamarca or whatever else, whoever it was, their media conglomerate, um, pray, place on him for doing something as simple as just enjoying his leisure time. I'll take third on his list because he's still that good a player. It doesn't. I couldn't give a shit what his other priorities are. And if he is using us as a vehicle to get himself fit, and within that he drives us to some success, who cares? At Real Madrid, that's not going to wash. You need to be Mr. Real Madrid there. But at us, it doesn't really matter. So I just found that whole symmetry quite funny. He's not put us to the top of his priority list. That's just not how it works, I don't think, for someone like Bale. But we are going to see the rewards of it, or hopefully we will see the re- the, the rewards of it. Yeah, I, 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 I sort of. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I, f- I feel that there's probably a part of it where it's maybe not so much that you know he absolutely loves Spurs in sort of maybe the same way somebody like you know. Harry Wait, Wing, like, Harry Winks I'm, or Harry Kane does. I'm a Spurs fan, and I've never spoke about Spurs 
even half as glowingly as Bale's agent has said <laughs> Bale feels about Spurs in like the last month or so. Do, do you think it might though be that it's just more this idea that as he's gotten older and probably more jaded and yeah, just I mean, think on a human level, probably really had a, a miserable, depressing couple of years now out there in Spain where Spurs is just a bit of a happy place. What Like Tottenham as a club is perhaps emblematic of a part of his life when he was, other than, you know, should we say, scoring a bicycle kick in a Champions League <laughs> final, lest, yeah. we, lest we forget. In his, in his third Champions League final in yeah. four years, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But still, that Tottenham probably represented a, a, a part of his life when, you know, his... First, I think yeah, his first child had just been born. He was top of the world. He was front page on every newspaper. He could do no wrong, you know. And I think the chance to perhaps get a bit of that back and just kind of just feel the feel yeah. loved again a bit is probably something that it isn't perhaps say something that is because he loves Tottenham, but it's a feeling that is inextricably linked to to the club um yeah that's that's very maybe i'm being very unfair with that i, I think that's no, a nice I don't think way it's of, unfair though but i think it's yeah like you say it's, it's more it's like i a, mean if you knew if you were a player and you knew that you could make a move that even if if bale ends this season injured half the time makes 10 premier league appearances scores one goal say he could take the pitch on the last day of the season and get an incredible reception. Yeah. And I guess if you've got that in your mind, that would be very difficult, as you say. If you're feeling jaded with football and just just what football now means and going out inside a stadium and just feeling like everybody's watching you and waiting for you to fail. If you know that you could, there's a there's a really easy way of reversing that. Because if he'd have gone to United, there would have been that element because that scrutiny would have been there. There is that safety net with Spurs of knowing no, no matter what, he is going to be loved. So I think that's a really good point. It's like in uh, in extras when Andy Millman's in the pub <laughs> and he's got those weirdos that are around him that love the, the shit sitcom that he's made and are doing like the quotes to him and stuff. And it, the first he's feeling as if it's you know, he doesn't want to be there and he wants to go anywhere else where he's not recognised. He ends up going to a really like swanky bar I think he gets like free drinks and in VIP area and he realizes he hates it. So he goes back to the pub and he hangs out with the, the freaks. Spurs are the freaks in that, <laughs> I guess in the nicest possible way. We're the, we're the creepy guys that, uh, yeah, want to take selfies with him on our phones and don't really care that he's a superstar. We just, we love him. So maybe that's, maybe that's a really, a nice way of looking at it. that I hadn't really considered. Yeah. There you go, mate. Do you, uh, Go on, I'll, I'll I'll push you for a for a for a prediction for Wednesday boy. Do you do you think we're gonna beat West Ham? I think it'll be very similar to last season. I think we'll struggle through and then I think we won two nil at the back end of last season, didn't we? I'll go two nil, both goals second half. I think we'll start slowly. Well I thought it was three two. Did I thought we went like three nil up and then we knew Uh no, the home game again. last year. The the away game was three two. But the home game um, was part of the restart, which 
we had an own goal this, and then this Kane is how went. shy I am at this mate. I thought this was I thought this was away. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Uh no, it's home. I'm sure no, it is. Right. One of us is wrong. No, they do yeah. Oh, they like beating us at home, don't they, as well? The fucking... Yeah. The whole Antonio Lurchins. Yeah, they 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 seem to get us at our that they kick us when we're down usually. No, actually, so I don't. I I think I'm going to disagree with myself there. They seem to catch us at high points and really drag us down to their level. And when we need points or when we're struggling a little bit, they are our blanket, like our safety net, if you like. Um, it was Mourinho's first game was against West Ham, and we were obviously a bit down on ourselves there. And then we raced into a three 0 lead. Whereas we go there at the tip of our title charge when Chelsea eventually won it and we lose 1-0 to a terrible West Ham side. So maybe, maybe we just need to exercise a bit of caution. To be fair, we, yeah, when Antonio beat us the last time, we were literally about to play in a Champions League final as well, weren't we? Or, yeah. Or was it, though, the second leg of the Champions it, League Yeah, final? I think it would have been the semi I remember final. losing and them all sort of like celebrating coming down the high road and everyone else was like, yeah, I mean, it's a bit annoying, lads, but whatever. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, at that yeah. point when we were all walking on air of like that Champions League campaign. But, uh, oh dear. All right. Um, but <laughs> what anyway, do you think? Uh, I think we're going to win. I do. I think we're going to win. I think Bale's going to come on and get a second debut goal. That's, oh, uh, yeah, I do. Imagine if it's a banger as well. Yeah, Just... oh, I know. I know. I, just want it, I want him to recreate the Tom Carroll assist goal, you know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Who's who's the Carroll? Yeah. Probably Winksy, isn't it? Might be Winks, yeah. Could be mm. Hoybier, you know. That's he, true. I think he's got that type of pass in his locker. On five know. yards. Yeah, I think he might have it in his locker. His pass for Aurier for that goal it against good, United yeah. is maybe the maybe the best forward pass we've made since Modric left the club. It it was brilliant. And I don't think we've had a player that has been able to do it. Not saying Hoiberg is suddenly our creative midfielder, but for that split second in time, he became an absolute world-class creative central midfielder. It was bizarre, wasn't it? Yeah, brilliant. I still, Lovely team goal. I'm still reserving judgment about him, to be honest. But you know, Yeah, he had a yeah. terrible mm. debut. Uh, mm. I think he yeah. that, he is fortunate that there were no fans to yeah. see that because that yeah. could have been a very, very sticky start for for someone like him who by a long way off being the star name who was brought in, of course, for the summer, but he was deemed arguably one of the most important yeah. signings we've made. We need a central defensive midfielder. He is a ball winner. He is there to win it back and give it to someone else. And against Everton, he was appalling. I, I don't think Winks helps that and I'm very positive on Winks, but I Feel as if the United game may have may have pushed him towards the bench more than any other, mm. um, and I do think Sissoko offers a bit more than he does. And if Ndombele is going to be that player who can get us ten yards up the pitch in a blink of an eye, then he's going to be trusted to do that more than Winks. Still got Lacelso to come back. Yeah, I feel as if it might have been. Not the end, by nowhere near, but I think he could be pushed down the pecking order a little bit. But um, yeah, Hoiberg is settling in nicely, I'd say. I'm quietly confident about him. It's but I can reserve judgment. It's exciting times, isn't it? Exciting times. Hmm. Um, I'm, I still I keep trying to scale back my kind of... 
my hopes, dreams, everything about where this season is going to go. But there's, I don't know, I can just feel myself losing myself to it again. It just, it feels like there's an opportunity there this year um, mm. that we just need to pounce on. It feels like 15-16 Leicester year again at the moment um, mm. in the respect that the big clubs are not quite there. And yeah. Yeah. there's a real chance for somebody to make a fist of it, you know. If that's imagine I, if I don't think it'll Aston be Aston Villa win the league. <laughs> well, no, imagine Aston Villa go and smash it, and we come second again. You, you, I mean, <laughs> you know, I would that be? I suppose that'd be probably on par with Leicester doing it, wouldn't it? Uh, like, it would be. Yeah, I would say so. Just yeah. about surviving relegation the year before, yeah. and Grealish will be their Mares. Something like he's that. unbelievable, isn't he? As well, I am. Um, he's my. Everyone has like a favourite non-Spurs player. Oh, don't and... mate. Only Spurs players. That's it. <laughs> you bleed Spurs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, well, us snowflakes do, and <laughs> I, I think he. I'm not going to go to the point where I'm like we badly missed out on him again um, a couple of years ago when we didn't get him from Villa, because I think that's such a simplistic and reductive way of looking at things. I think Grealish is the player he is because he stayed and because he's in a similar, not saying it's exactly perfect, but in a similar way to Bale. Bale could have gone two years before from Spurs when he had that Champions League season. He was playing at a level that was clearly he is a top player and he's only going to get better. So it's a, a sort of a matter of when. And I see that with Grealish a little bit. But if Bale had gone to Real Madrid in 2011 rather than 2013, they wouldn't have got the same Bale. Nah. And he probably wouldn't have become the same player. So I'm not going to say that we missed out on Grealish just because it feels like a stick to beat Levy with. And it's just not really the time for it. But I can see him moving on to one of the elite clubs in the summer for a massive fee and, and absolutely smashing it. He is so good. He's so much fun as well. I think yeah. that's the thing. It's it'd be easy to think of him as like an Ericsson replacement, but I don't think he is. I think he's I think he's more like selfish and um just got a bit more sort of flavour to his play, if you like. And I think if we got him, I'd be really excited to see how he fit in. That would be amazing. Uh, he'll go somewhere big and he'll be a massive star. City, massive maybe. legs as well. City, yeah, they're going to need something like him at some point. I think they can't keep going through players they are, and and you know, eventually they're going to realise they need a bit of an overhaul. Imagine that. Him, and, him and Foden, and if they get a, yeah, if they get some sort of like you know, well, they probably end up signing some DM that I've never heard of who will be incredible. Do you know what I mean? That yeah, to replace yeah. Fernandinho, that's kind of yeah, the next wave. I'm I'm expecting a few responses as to why actually that wouldn't work. You know what I mean? <laughs> actually, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. it's always fun getting that, isn't it? When you can't it just is. when you can't just whimsically talk about football in a way of like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to see like Grealish play alongside? <laughs> actually, um... <laughs> you know what you would have? Oh, they're both left-footed. Oh, they're, oh they're, the one I always like. They're too similar. So, oh yeah, I hate having too many really good players in my team. Yeah, it's shit, so it? it's well, yeah, it's well shit. Yeah. 
uh, uh, I, I think sometimes, do you know what? Like, yeah, there is obviously a lot of credence to stuff, but sometimes as well, I am just like, it's not that deep, lads. Just yeah. good, <laughs> good, good players like win games. So, you know, yeah, mm. it's, it's always like those, those takes, you know, when people are like, um, well, actually, if you look at Tottenham without Harry Kane's goals, they're not actually that good. And it's like, well, that's what? You know, yeah, yeah. Sort of like, it's like saying if you didn't play a goalkeeper, you'd probably get relegated. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, what do you want us to do? Like take them away or take Virgil bizarre, van Dyke out of that Liverpool team from last year? Mm. And I dare say they concede more goals. Oh wow, mate! Wow, well, that's really revelatory. You know, well done. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Imagine thinking of it's it's a whole product of football that hasn't happened. Rather than the what has happened, and reporting on that, all about what might happen if you signed so and so, what could the lineup look like if you did this, what might happen if they decided to change it, it's too much. It's too much hidden shite that nobody has thought about before because there's there's no reason to think about it. That seems to be what people are in for. That's what the market is now. It's just odd, isn't it? I don't, I don't really, I can't really get my head around it. Yeah, I've, I've got AMF. A, I've got a stat for you, mate. Fuck on. off. <laughs> <laughs> Have that for an equation, you can. Yeah. You should. Leave, that should be the end of the pod. Right. Just leave it at that and play the music straight after. Fuck off. There we go. All right, it's <laughs> a good place to end it. Cheers, though, yeah. Foynesy, for coming on, mate. And uh, not at all, mate. What's Tottenham way? Is it you know? Are you gonna do any more emergency tapes or anything like that? Or I don't know. It's hard. It felt like a good thing to do when full lockdown was happening. But seeing as it's hard to know what sort of the day to day looks like, Dan's back in his normal day to day of reporting on Spurs, obviously. The MSL. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Feeding us disinformation about five G and masks and all exactly. that stuff. Yeah. The real truth. Yeah. Um yeah, it, it, we did a few. I think there were some really good episodes in there. I enjoyed doing them. It was nice to go back to podcasting actually. Um, and I think I, I don't miss the week to week uh editions that we used to do. I, I think I think about the last couple of years of Spurs and I think about when we ended it. We ended it in twenty eighteen. So the season before we got to the Champions League final. And you'd think that would be obviously an amazing season to do, but I think about the other side of that season, which was you know we were bad to watch for quite a while and I would have really struggled to do a weekly podcast talking about it when you can see it just sort of disintegrating in front of your eyes. It, it could have been quite a depressing kind of archive of Poch's downfall, I guess, because Dan used to, he brought so much of that element of how Poch was feeling in press conferences and things that he'd said that maybe hadn't got reported, etc. And it just sounded really, really depressing towards the end. And I think I would have struggled to do that on a weekly basis. So, yeah, the, the crisis tapes that we did have been a nice little injection of fun at a time when there wasn't an awful lot of fun in the world. So um, that that's probably the limit of what we'll do for now. Um, so in short, no, it's not coming back. Probably not. We'll do a Christmas oh, special. Right. We always do the Christmas special. You'll re- I'll say you'd remember the Christmas special, but the one you were on was... Uh, 
I mean, I, I don't think I've ever had a drunker person in my house I'd that be, wasn't it's me. It's been on the whiskey all day, all right? Like, very early Wait, days. How did you even get home? I, I, I honestly can't remember. I don't, I, like, I remember very, very little about that day other than it being one of those mornings the next morning when I woke up like, oh, I was the cunt, you know? I, it, it, I don't, honestly, I don't remember an awful lot of it and it is the sloppiest podcast I think I've ever what's, had to edit what's, together. What's seared into my mind is one of those things I think, because I'd, I'd shown up really pissed and quite a few people had shown up and were like having their first beer, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, I was giving Ollie Lister a lap dance on your sofa. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he'd just come from work and was like a bit tired, a bit ratty, come off the commute. And there's just me like, <laughs> gyrating on him and just sort of looking down at him and even just suddenly just having just that almost that one little moment of clarity through that sea of being really really pissed through the whiskey mist shall we say where I just looked at him dead in the eyes I could see into his soul and he was just sort of telepathically saying back to me get off me you cunt <laughs> do you know what I mean like I'm not. I'm not in the mood for this. And uh, yeah. you know what, mate? Honestly, that that recording. So if you listeners may have may Please, have heard it, just... you, what you'll hear is a like an hour and fifteen, I think it is. And in the middle of that, we talk about the stadium being open, oh, and God. we planned all that. We said let's let's do the quiz, and then halfway through, we'll have a chat about Spurs, and then we'll we'll finish the quiz at the end. By that point, everyone was really really hammered and the talk about the stadium is just rubbish that's total rubbish and the whole thing is about an hour and a half long the uh jim who who did the recording producer jim um he told me the next day that there was six hours of recorded (laughs) material because basically he'd hit record and then we'd start and somebody would be like, oh, I need a piss, or oh, I'll get me a beer. But it was all like shouting over each other, just trying to get to a point where we could start it. Then I'd stumble over my words because I had it all written down and just couldn't do it anymore. There was arguments over questions. that That's supposed to be the content, and it was reduced down to an hour and a half. The rest of it is some of the most debauched, slanderous, awful shite ever committed to tape, which if I ever heard, I'd have to edit it. I mean, I'd have to bleep all sorts out of it because we were just having a chat about everything. And there was just like the oddest things being said, honestly. None of it true. It, it, it was just people shooting the shit, but it was all put down on tape and they need to be locked away in a vault. Kill Jim. He, he's got too much power. The secret dies with him. I mean, yeah, if you ask, you ask him about it, he he's... He has his own like stories about that night, just because of how pissed we all got. It was like two days before Christmas as well, wasn't it? Everyone got overexcited. Everyone got naked. Did we get naked. <laughs> yeah. I could, could well have done. But yeah, I've no. Yeah, I I'd say go and listen back to that. But please don't anybody. Uh, it's totally it's... pointless. I, There's I, no honestly, value. I started listening to it, mate. I. I, yeah. <laughs> I I had to stop. I I haven't listened to it fully because it was one of those things that I started listening to, and I was just like, I'm 
I'm an embarrassment. On <laughs> like I am just, I cannot listen to myself this drunk, thinking I'm funny at points when I'm just not interrupt. Do you know what I mean? All that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're at yeah. your most boorishly drunk. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's we've that, all been there, that, but you that, were unfortunate oh, enough to have oh. it recorded for a special edition of a podcast. <laughs> it was that, we've all been there. It was that whiskey <laughs> drunk as well when you're particularly yeah. kind of like just you just want to destroy everything, you know? <laughs> Belligerent. Oh, I think, yeah, the fact that you recognise it is the first step. It, it, it's it making is, my I skin mean, go, thinking so about it. So we've done we've done three, oh. 2017, 18, and 19. 2017 is good, but it's short. It's about 40 minutes. The 2018 one is the Jack Hussey drunken tapes. If you're interested in hearing it, have a look on the Tottenham Way uh, <laughs> um, podcast feed. I think you can still find it and listen to it. It's, it's fucking awful as a podcast and as a quiz, but as a lesson in how not to get pissed, it's it's up there. Last year's one was pretty good. Uh, last year's one was a, a good, very close one as well. So I'm really keen on um, carrying on that tradition. It's a really nice thing for us to do every year. No, and... I, I wasn't on it. Fucking load of shit. I'm cutting you off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 